The Lord has put a, a, a message on my heart, <clears throat> and for the next two weeks, I'm going to explore this topic. I think it's especially poignant in light of the fact I'm going to be away for eight weeks, uh, and I want you to reflect uh, on your uh, growing call in ministry and what it means to be drawing closer to God. How can you change your life in every possible way? And so the title of this sermon basically is The Power to Change Your Life and Outlook. The power that God has given you to change your life and to change your outlook, effectively to change your personality. You know, after having studied Elijah for four sermon series, uh, and we were struck with the fact that here was a godly man uh, who, despite the fact that he had been used in a powerful way by the Lord, yet at some point he suffered doubt and depression. And so the question became, how could somebody who was used in such a mighty way, who was called by God, suffer doubt and depression? Well, the answer is that he's human. And in our humanity, we're cloaked with flesh, and our flesh drags us down. Uh, and so God spoke to Elijah in a powerful way, and you can get that sermon. It's online. I think it'll bless you. Uh, but the Bible now teaches us how to change ourselves. And that's what I want you to focus on. The Bible and God, through the Holy Spirit, teaches us how to change ourselves and tells us what we will look like after that change. Now, Jesus offers us the, the very power to change, uh, and that is what I refer to as resurrection power, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit to enter your life, to conform you to God, and to change you, and to give you the fruit of the Spirit. And you know the fruit of the Spirit is outlined in Galatians 5, uh, verses 22 to 23. Those fruits are jo love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what God wants you to be. That's what he wants you to walk around with. And when you have that fruit of the Spirit, and it's uh, a singular fruit, it's all contained in the one fruit. Your life will never be the same. And so we have to recognize that God has given us resurrection power through Jesus Christ. That's what it is. And so the first point I would make here is that we have, we have resurrection power because we have given Jesus our life. And that's outlined in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, <clears throat> where it says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Can you imagine? I want to participate in his sufferings. I want to know him. I want to be like him. That's the resurrection power that God has given you to conform your life. That's the very essence of what Jesus was and what elevated him today to sit at the right hand of God. Now, the same power that raised Jesus Christ more than 2,000 years ago is available to you today. It's no different. God has given you that when you became a Christian. He sealed you with that power. He gave it to you. So can you imagine, can you imagine being able to change your very personality? Change your personality. You're not down. You're not dour. You're not depressed on a regular basis, but because you reflect on what God has given you and the power of that Holy Spirit, that you begin to change your very personality. This is what it means to walk with the Lord. 
Uh, and so God says it's unnecessary for you to walk around with your old hurts, with your old pain, with your old disappointment. Look forward. Look, if you would, at Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 14. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. He has taken away all of your sin and nailed it to the cross. Everything that was in your past is wiped out. So don't reflect on where you've been. Don't reflect on the hurts. Don't reflect on the sufferings and on the pain, but rather reflect on the cross, which is what Jesus wants you to do, to empower your life uh, in a powerful way. Uh, and Jesus reminds us of these things in Scripture. And so a, a second sermon point that I would make is that God does not remind us of our past. God does not remind us of our past. Look at what God says in Jeremiah 31, verse 34. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Amen? I'll remember their sins no more. I just don't forgive. I forget. And when God says he forgets, then you need to recognize that. Because for many of us, you've been saved, and you recognize that you've been forgiven, but you still dwell on to the sins and the disappointments and the hurts of the past. You have to leave here today with a new mental outlook. It's gone. It's over. God has changed your life, and he wants you to reflect on that change as you go forward to be a more powerful Christian in every way. And so when we give God our mistakes and we give him our failures, uh, he throws them effectively into the deepest part of the ocean as far as the east is from the west. And why can't we live that way, knowing that that's what he's done for us? This is often a major part of our depression that we continue to dwell and ruminate on the pain of the past. Well, God has taken that away from you. Now you take it away from yourself. Uh, this should be our mindset. This is the sermon point. Our mindset must be as Paul articulated it so well in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, where it says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press forward. I forget about the past. I look forward to, the to tomorrow. I look forward to walking with Jesus today. I don't ruminate on the pain. I don't dwell on the depression. I don't dwell on the bad memories. Instead, I dwell on the power of God to change my life because I know he holds me and he's with me. The next sermon point I would emphasize is this, that God's power is also the power to conquer our problems. That's important. The power 
to conquer our problems. So many of us have been focused on our own answer to our pro problems. How can I answer my own problems? Well, if I think about it, if I reflect on it, uh, if I talk about it, and yet the problem remains. Because you haven't given it to God. You see, when finally you give it to God, you say, here, Lord, here's my problems. Here's what I need to hear from you. When I give it to you, God, God will address it. He will focus it on it, and he will address that. And so this is why so many of us still continue with these issues. We have focused on our own human need to try to solve the problems with our own strength. Let me break it to you. You cannot solve those problems. God wants you to start trusting him with every issue that you have. Now, one of the first steps that we must take uh, to is to take the focus off ourselves. Now, this is a big deal uh, because in some sense, we're all narcissists. We all, while we say we walk with God, we walk with Christ, yet many of us still are cloaked with the flesh. Uh, and in that sense, we kind of elevate ourselves. It's all about me. It's about where I'm going. What are my needs? And instead, God says, take the focus off of yourself. Put the focus on me. It's not about you when you walk with me. I'll take care of you. Trust me, I'll take care of you. Focus rather on the promises of God. And this is what I'm saying to you, especially so during the summer, uh, as we have a slower period of time. Focus on God's promises. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Oh my Lord, Jesus, what an incredible verse. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? This is a verse that you need to understand that once you're saved and once Christ has taken you in his hand, no power, no principality, no authority will ever take you out of the hand of God. Amen, church? If you reflect on that and you go through life, all of the other issues that you face will be minimalized. I don't care about issues in relationships or money or even your health. If you recognize that he holds you and nothing can take you out of his hand, you will live as a conqueror, a veritable conqueror, uh, because you know that he's given you the authority to address these issues. Uh, and so... My next sermon point for you to reflect on is this. In this regard, God's power can literally change your personality. Can literally change your personality. Well, John, you don't know. Uh, I'm kind of a doubting person. I'm a, 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 a backward person. I don't have a forceful personality. I tend to suffer from depression. I, sent, I, I tend to overreact to negative, negative things. Look, you may have been born that way, but God doesn't want you to stay that way, and that's why we're giving you the verses from Scripture that will change your life. You come to church because this church is a hospital. You don't come here because you're perfect. You come here, as we all do, because we need a touch from the Father. Well, he's giving it you, to you today. He wants you to leave here with this prescription that will change your life. And the way to change your life starts with changing your veritable personality, uh, committing yourself to Christ in every part of your life. And this is effectively a two-step process. 
And it's outlined, first of all, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. We have that on the board. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. You've been saved. That's what it means to be born again. You have been given a new creation. A lot of us have not adopted that. We are still wallowing around in many ways because we have the mindset of the old creation. Well, get that mindset out of your mind. You've been given a new creation. Uh, And so this becomes important for you to understand. This is what it means to be born again. Again, that's the essence of being born again, understanding and adopting the fact that we have a new creation. Now, being born again is only the beginning. It's not the end. We don't sit there, put a chair down and say, that's it, I'll just wait for God to call me home. I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. Well, yes, you are going to heaven, but there's a lot more involved in being a Christian, a lot more responsibility. Uh, And you see it in Romans 12, verse 2. And this is what I call the day two experience of our lives, meaning the ongoing need for discipleship, to walk with the cross, to pick up the cross, to walk with Jesus. And Romans 12, verse 2 reads as follows. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. This is the day to experience. First, don't be conformed. Do you wonder why so many of us are are burdened with worries and pain and disappointment? It's because you're conformed to the world. You're stuck watching uh, the, the television news or reading the newspaper. And evil upon evil upon doubt upon doubt is poured into your mind. And you wonder why? You wonder why you get up and you go, oh, I don't know. I don't feel that good. That's right. All you've done is read about 50 murders today, right? Oh, gosh, I, I, I was ready to start the day in such a positive way, and now I see 50 people have been killed, 25 have been gunned down in a church, and all that garbage is coming into your mind. That's what I call being conformed to the world. But instead, be transformed. Pick up your Bible, Read your Bible. Pick up a Bible study. Pray. Ask God to anoint your mind. Ask him to anoint the way you think. And because when you do that, you'll be able to attest and approve what God's will is for you in your life. This is what taking up the cross means. This is how we change our personality. This is how we change our thinking. Now, the second sermon point for me here is the question becomes how do we develop the fruit of the Spirit to transform our lives. We all want the fruit of the Spirit. We all want that ninefold fruit. Well, how do we do that? How do we put the very qualities found in Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23, into actual purpose and practice? I'll read it here. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having that cloak in your life? Having that fruit in your life? Can you imagine the kind of father or mother or friend that you would be? The influence that you would be in the world? How people would be drawn to you because you had that quality? God wants you to have it. He's given it to you. Now the fact is you have to adopt it into your life. 
and practice it. And the Apostle Paul describes that very process, you see, of taking that spirit and growing it, maturing it in your life in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. The key word is work out your salvation. Not work for your salvation. You didn't get your salvation because you worked for it. He gave it to you. But work it out, meaning exercise it. Many of you go to a gymnasium in order, and do exercises in order to lift up your physical body. Well, clue, let me clue you in. If you have a good run, you're going to have a physical body maybe to your 100. Oh, maybe. But the bottom line, the spiritual body is in eternity. Why not exercise the spiritual body? Work it out. That's what the salvation means. Work it out. And what does that mean? It means to pray and to reflect and to meditate every moment of the day. We have to flip the switches. God gave the switches to us, but so many of us just let that switch say in the off position. It's off. Instead, I'm telling you, flip it on to the full power and let the power of the Holy Spirit enter your life as you change your veritable personality. And so how does this power grow within us? It grows effectively within our faith. It's our faith that grows. Look at Romans 10, verse 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. That's what you're doing here. You're hearing the word of God. It is the word of God that is spoken by a man, but is delivered by the Holy Spirit to this man, who then gives it to you. It is the power to change your life. I can assure you that the message that you're hearing today is not one concocted by me, but is one given to me through the Holy Spirit for you today. It's a message that will, will change your life in a powerful way. And so when we commit ourselves to Christ, when we give him everything that we have, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and empowers us. And you need to understand this because you all have been given the, the Holy Spirit. Now you need to flip the switch. Look at Romans 8, verses 9 to 11. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life. Because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. There it is. The spirit of God has raised you from the dead. The Spirit of God has given you the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God has given you the power to take the fruit of the Spirit and adopt it in your life. Through the Holy Spirit, we become more like Jesus. And that's the litmus test for all of us. Every day, every day, 365 days a year, becoming more like Jesus. 
And so this is God's purpose for your life. This is why he created you. And so Jesus embodied in his life the ninefold spirit, the fruit of the spirit. And unfortunately, while the Bible is there to teach us, many of us are stubborn. Yes, the Bible has taught us, but we don't change easily. And the next sermon point is, so God brings in a third tool to grow our faith. It's called circumstances. Yes, he gave you the Bible. Yes, he gave you the Holy Spirit. But for many of us, we don't open the Bible. We haven't flipped the switch for the Holy Spirit. So we're wondering why we're wandering through life as Christians, and we're not filled with joy. We don't have the fruit of the Spirit. Well, then God says, you know, it's time for a two-by-four. A two-by-four. It's like that old story where a farmer was dragging a donkey, dragging a donkey, uh, and finally the farmer went out and got a two-by-four and smacked the donkey in the head, and then the donkey followed him. And the guy was on the side. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you hitting that donkey? He said, oh, oh no, I just did that to get his attention. I just did that to get his attention. And that's what God says. Circumstances. I gave you the Bible. You don't read it. I gave you the Holy Spirit. You haven't flipped the switch. Well, I'm not done with you yet. And so now circumstances are going to come into your life. And what do I mean by that? Problems, pressures, heartaches, disappointment, suffering. Should I keep going? All the circumstances and vicissitudes of life come into your, into your life for the purpose of getting your attention and changing your thought process. The great theologian and writer C.S. Lewis said it so well, and he said it, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. He whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. Doesn't that reflect how your life has been? Think about it. Have you been drawn closer to God when things were going great in your life? When you were on a parade and you were just looking, everything was hunky-dory? Did you find yourself praying and getting closer to God? Or were you kind of saying, oh, this is good. I'm really in a good place. Right? I'm in a good place. I'm on my way to heaven. But all of a sudden, when the stock market crashes, or you come back from the doctor and it's not good, or your family's splitting apart, all of a sudden, where are you? Oh, Jesus, help me. God, help me. That's what it takes. The two by four to the side of our head, circumstances. And it is the third way that God looks to us to change our life. I want you to understand that. And let me make this perfectly clear. You're a Christian. Nothing comes into your life that is not the will of God. Let me repeat that. You're a Christian. Nothing comes into your life that is not the will of God. I can't say the same thing for non-Christians. I cannot. When they get up in the morning, they're in a pinball machine. But you're not. You're not. And so you've given your heart to God, even if you haven't flipped on the Holy Spirit switch, even if you're not reading the Bible and reflecting on the Bible. The circumstances in your life are designed by God to wake you up, snap out of it effectively. 
That's what God is saying to you today. Step out of it. And I want you to know that I know a lot of you are hurting today. I know that. I know Father's Day is not an easy day for many of you who have lost your, your husbands uh, or your fathers or your family members. I know you're hurting, but I want you to recognize this. They're Christians. They're with the Lord. And someday you're going to be there with them. Now move forward. Move forward. Think of all the things that God has given you to design you to be able to change the world in a positive way. Uh, and so God gives us circumstances in order to make us the kind of Christians that he wants. And so God speaks through us through the Bible. He prompts us through the Holy Spirit. Yet if we don't change, if we refuse to change, he will use circumstances. Let me assure you of this. God is not a God of laziness. If he saved you and he's called you, he's not going to be satisfied until he changes you. And he's going to do everything in his power to change you. Even as you drag along on the road, he will not accept that. And that's important for you to understand that. And so the Holy Spirit enables us to be humbled. And yet, how many of us are truly humbled? How many of us are really humbled? Uh, but the circumstances in our life will humble us. When all of a sudden we thought we were riding high and then we lose a job, oh my. Or when we were riding high because we thought we had a great relationship at home and all of a sudden that relationship is broken up, oh my. All the things that God uses to get your attention and to humble you. And so the next point I would make for you in the sermon is it's up to us to make correct choices when we navigate the Christian walk. It's up to you to make correct choices. He's given you the Bible. He's given you the Holy Spirit. Now snap out of it and start making correct choices. And there's effectively three choices, three steps we must take in order to change. First, we must carefully choose what we think about. We must carefully choose what we think about. This is a big deal. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart, and from your heart, guard your mind. What are you thinking about? What are you reflecting about? You see, change always begins with new thinking. The Bible teaches us that the way we think determines the way we feel, and the way we feel will ultimately change the way we act. It's that simple. It's that programmatic. The way you think affects the way you feel. The way you feel determines the way you act. And so you can be transformed by the rendering of your mind, focusing on your mind as it changes your personality. Simply focus on changing your thoughts uh, in, in such a poignant way. Stop thinking the thoughts that get you into trouble. Stop thinking about things that get you into trouble. Stop thinking about things that bring you down or get you depressed. Stop thinking about that. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. When you have the right kind of thoughts, not false beliefs, but the right kind of beliefs, and base your life on these right beliefs, then you're going to find that you'll be set free, and your body will be conformed, and your mind will be conformed. 
when you have the right kind of thoughts, not false beliefs, and you base your life on these, your, your entire way of thinking will change. God promises this, that when we meditate on his word, day and night we will bear fruit. Meditating on his word day and night. That doesn't mean I'm blowing through chapter after chapter after chapter in the Bible because I want to finish the Bible in three months. No, it doesn't mean that at all. Rather, it means I read a verse. I pray on the verse. I reflect on the verse. And I digest that verse. That's what it means. That's what God wants you to do. This is how you change your life. Uh, and so there are two great promises in Scripture about success. One is found in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, and the other is in Psalm 1. Both of these say that the key to success is meditating on God's word. Psalm 1, verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Are you meditating on the word of God? Are you reflecting on the word of God? Are you praying on the word of God? Or is it just when you come to church on Sunday, we put some verses on the board and you reflect on it? I'm going to tell you, you can't live that kind of life. You have to constantly reflect on the word of God. You have to constantly be in a prayerful attitude with God. It never ends. It never changes in every aspect of your life. We are talking about meditation. Meditation is digesting. It's not blowing through verses, but rather digesting these verses. Think seriously about what you are reading and reasoning. Take one verse at a time. And here's an example of that powerful verse that every one of you should have on your refrigerator. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Here's the prescription that the great physician has given us. You've come into church today and you're down. You're reflecting on lost family members. You're reflecting on the fact it's a Father's Day and, and your father or your husband's not here. And God is saying, here's the verse I want you to think about. Here is how I'm going to lift you up. This is what it means to go forward. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 tells us what to think about. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Begin meditating on those kind of things, the excellent things, the uplifting things, uh, the admirable things, the lovely things, the noble things. That's what he wants you to do. And when you do that and meditate on that, God will change your personality and change your life. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 tells us to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. You need to spend regular time every day in prayer and dependence on the Holy Spirit. And so the secret, the sermon point that I want to make, the secret to depending upon the Holy Spirit is to be incessantly in prayer. And what do I mean by this? I mean you should be praying every hour of the day. Now, I know what you're saying. You always say, John, I, that's ridiculous. How can I be praying when I'm working? Well, I did. I'd be in court and I would be praying. All right? Or you're driving a car. 
You should be praying while you're driving a car, especially in Naples. If you're not praying in Naples, you're, you're on a death hunt. But you should be praying. I had a, a lady that once told me, I pray for parking spots. And I thought, wow, that's, that might be a bit much. But you know what? The point was she was praying in every way of her life. I'm praying for you. Every one of you, I'm praying for you. I told you that when I play golf, why I like to play by myself is because that gives me a time to pray, to pray for the church, to pray for individual people, to pray for those who are sick. I need time to reflect and pray. And then every once in a while, I'll ask God to make me a better golfer. That's a prayer he has not seen to answer. But the point is, we need to be in prayer. Do you understand? Not an hour of the day should go by that you're not praying. Really? Not an hour of the day you should constantly pray. I saw great people in my life. I saw my mother and my father. That's how they lived, my grandparents. That's how they lived. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't think you're going to change things when you don't plug the plug in. The only way you're going to change your life is to put the plug into the wall. And that's the Holy Spirit. And I know every one of you has some issues in your life. Pray. Pray about it. I have a, a plaque in my house that says, I've had it since I was in college. Have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? You're going to buy a house. Have you prayed about it? You're going to move. Have you prayed about it? You're, you're going to marry someone. Have you prayed about it? Uh, you're going to change a ministry. Have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? Have you asked God for his will, or is it all about your will? And I can tell you this, this journey that we've, on, we've been on to get this new church, I prayed all the time. It was a hard, a hard journey. But I prayed, Lord, what is your will for us? What is your will? And finally, he answered it, and I recognize it. It is the cumulative prayer of the saints. God hears. God changes in every way. And so this is how he produces character. And so Romans 5, verse 3, makes much more sense now, doesn't it? Now it makes sense to you, and I'm going to read it. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because that we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. This is how we can rejoice and handle our problems. This is circumstances. This is why we rejoice. Because yes, things aren't great, but we know God's in charge. These are the circumstances of life that God is using to elevate you, to change you, to make you stronger, to make you a better Christian, to advance his work in you and to advance the world. The life story of Joseph is the perfect example. Do you think Joseph said when he was in prison, 17 years of being sold into slavery, he's, he's in prison in a bad section of the prison after his brother sold him into slavery, 17 years away from his family, and now in slavery and now in prison. Do you think he said, whoa, this is good. This is good. Because I know I'm going to be prime minister of Egypt someday. You think that's what he said? He didn't say that. He didn't know. He was just bowed in prayer. Lord, your will for my life. Lord, your will for my life. Your will for my life. Somehow, God, you have willed me to be in this prison. I don't know why, but I bow to your will. Well, shortly thereafter, he comes into contact with two miscreants 
who asked him to interpret a prayer. And as a result of that, he interprets the prayer, gets called before the king, and becomes the prime minister of Egypt. That's the power of God, don't you see? That's the example of circumstances. That's what God can do. That's what he has in mind for you. This is what he has in mind for this church. That's why this church has a great future, because this church lives by that premise. And so this is the situation. Here's a key sermon point. God produces the fruit of the Spirit in us by allowing us to encounter situations and people with characteristics that are exactly the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. How's that? I think we'd like to have nothing but saints in front of us all day long, right? Oh, yeah. Let me just hang around with the 12 disciples. Let me be a part of the first century church. Let me be there. That's what I want. God, I just want nothing but good people around me all day long. No. No, some of us have to be in Joseph's prison. Some of us have to be beaten like Paul. Some of us have to be mistreated like Esther. It goes through the Bible. Some of us have to be treated like David, who was chased for 17 years, even after he was anointed to be the future king of Israel. Why? Why? Because God knew that circumstances were needed to change their lives. And that's what God is saying to us today. These are the circumstances that change us. This is how God elevates us and how God will develop the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't happen by accident. It, it is effectively the working out of your salvation. This is what it is. This is what God wants. Uh, and so here's the point. As you go about trying to change your thinking today, reflecting on this, uh, it takes time for fruit to ripen. Let me say that. It takes time for fruit to ripen. It doesn't happen overnight. And here's the point. There's no such thing as instant growth. Joseph didn't grow instantly. It took many years. David didn't grow instantly. It took many years. You know, Paul didn't grow instantly. It took many years, even the years that he was in isolation in Tarsus in so many ways. And so God chooses to take his time as he changes us. He isolates us, uh, and he conforms us to his will. Uh, he changes the way we think. He wants you to think in a different way. And so invite the Holy Spirit into your life to have free reign. Ask God to change you. Ask God to, to take whatever he wants out of you and to change your personality, to reflect and focus on the cross of Christ, not to drag out the, the pain and the suffering of the past, that's not going to bring you into greater fruit. That's just going to drag you down. Look, God has forgiven you. Now it's time for you to forgive yourself. Accept the circumstances in your life as God's plan to change you. Bring him into your life. Ask him to lift you up. Ask him to change your thinking. Ask him to change your personality, and ask him to help him make you the man or woman that he wants you to be to affect change in the kingdom of God. Amen, church? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for the message that you've given us, Lord. I have a profound sense that there's an urgent need for this in this church, that so many of us are hurting with pain and depression and suffering with loss, 
And now, God, you, you put a bright line in the sand. And you say, don't reflect on the past. Think of the, of the future. And so, God, we do that today. We ask you to inspire us through the word. Inspire us with the Holy Spirit. And inspire us, Lord, yes, even with circumstances. Let us recognize that these circumstances are designed to change us, to conform us to your will. Lord, be with our people. Protect them and bring them back safely next week to continue the ongoing worship of your word. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you, church.